we created a shoe box, but it was custom branded to IDD. And when they opened it, it had a call to action, which is, hey, we'd like to meet. If you're willing to give us a meeting, we would take these shoes and donate them to an already identified local charity who was willing to accept these. Welcome to the Master Your Business podcast, where we bring you the best in branding, marketing, and customer experience strategies. I'm Deirdre Martin, your host. And if you've been asking yourself how to level up your business, your marketing, your customer experience, or how to make more of an impact with your brand, this is the show for you. You'll discover actionable tips and insights to help professional service businesses like yours gain clarity and illuminate your path to success. You're going to train with industry experts, learn sales and marketing strategies, business and mindset hacks, and be inspired by authentic entrepreneurship stories. As your host, I'll share the no-nonsense advice that accelerated my journey from boring bank manager to industry thought leader in marketing and customer experience. Learn how I made the leap into the world of six-figure success, digital courses, keynote speaking, and co-authoring a number one bestseller in just year one. Together with interviews from industry experts, this show ensures you are seen, heard, and hired by your ideal clients. Join our growing community of subscribers and let the Master Your Business podcast inspire you to tackle your most significant challenges on your path to business success. Don't miss out. It's your turn to learn from the best and master your dream business. Today, we are talking about leveraging LinkedIn to interrupt, connect, and win clients. And not just any clients, but big name brands. And I have a very big expert to help you do so. The fantastic Trevor Lewis is here today. And let me tell you that this episode is action-packed. So get ready to learn his top strategies for pattern interrupts, brand humanization, and growing your business without having a huge marketing budget, and so much more. His tips genuinely are so practical and actionable that I know you're probably going to want to go and grab your pen and notepad, but it's okay. I've got you covered. The show notes have all the great details you're going to need. So this is an episode for you if you own a business or you're an entrepreneur, regardless of whether LinkedIn is your primary platform, this episode is for you. So let me give you a little brief intro into Trevor. Trevor is a dad and entrepreneur. He's spent the last 10 years helping brands better position themselves to buyers and he's built a reputation as a key opinion leader on topics like retail design, manufacturing, small business leadership, and more. He's the chief revenue officer at in-store design display, or ID as we call it in the show, and that's based in Kansas City, a retail design build firm who focus on helping brands stand out in store and not just in the US, as you learn in the show. You are going to love his step-by-step tips. So let's get into it, folks, in this episode. Oh my God, it's so action-packed, full of amazing content. You are just in store for the best treat ever. I am joined today with Trevor Lewis, and Trevor is joining me from across the pond. Trevor, you are so welcome. 
Oh, thank you. I mean, I'm definitely excited to be joining you and how cool of an opportunity this is for us to be able to connect. And hopefully I'm able to give you some tips and some things that work for us, but definitely excited to be here. Amazing. Trevor, I'm going to dive right in. We want to hear from the horses, man. Where are you? What's your business? What's going on in your world? And, you know, where is this conversation going to lead? Let's see. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, we're located here in Kansas City, Missouri. So that's right in the heart of the Midwest. And, you know, our company is we work with predominantly CPG brands as well as retailers from concept to execution. So we work with it through developing displays, developing different signage with the ultimate goal of helping converge and impact the overall shopper. I love that. And, you know, I'm always talking to people about how things flow and journeys and anybody who's been following me on social media for a while, you know, I'll have been talking about Ikea because I love the Ikea journey, right? And how cool is it that they have nothing on their floor yet? Everywhere you look on the floor, they've got arrows pointing you in a direction and it's lighting from above, right? Yes. Strategic chaos is what we call it. Strategic chaos. They do a great job of just navigating you and just as a consumer, as you know, you just keep going and keep finding things that you realize you, or at least you think that you need. And so they do a great job of just guiding that consumer, you know, through that entire space. My husband, if he's listening, he'll know I'm so, I, he'll probably kill me for saying this, but he hates Ikea because he's like, dear, just tell me the thing that you want. I'll go and get it. And then we don't have to spend hours going around the shop, right? But I love it. I love that journey through. I love the experience. And so, you know, I I recognize the value of displays and of retailing. But a lot of the people listening, Trevor, are probably professional service providers who maybe don't have or believe they don't have anything that they need to display or have signage they need to put up. What would you say to them? Well, you know, I think, look, you know, here at In-Store Design Display, we also have to uh, attract different individuals that believe we may be able to help them. And so I think some of the, you know, some of the things that we've learned along the way could be useful. Just when you think about, hey, I not only do I have to, you know, provide services, I also have to attract the next folks that may need my services. And that was definitely, you know, something that we needed to focus on here at in-store design display. And, and so I think that would be just some of the areas that I could kind of speak to less about the solutions that we actually provide, but just more about, you know, how do we attract new clients? How do we retain current clients? You know, how do we tell our story in a pretty, you know, a, a space that there's a lot of competition, right? So our margin of differentiation is pretty slim. It's not that we have a a large piece of equipment or a technology that nobody else has out there. A lot of what we bring to the table is our folks, and those are our teammates and our expertise and our, you know, experience. And so how, you know, and so whenever we deploy that in terms of uh, getting other people to, to create awareness, we have to really think about how we tell our story and where we tell it. Oh, now you're really talking my language, Trevor. Oh, yeah, you're totally, uh, what am I trying to say? I'm like, I'm getting excited hearing you say those things because this is what I'm preaching the whole time to anybody who's listened to me or following me. It is about your unique selling point. It is about standing out in a crowded market and outshining your competition. So 
let's dive in because I mean, you've worked with massive brands, right? Guys, Trevor has worked with like Samsung, T-Mobile, Walmart, Hallmark. Oh my God, like major brands. So how have you managed to make in-store design stand out from everybody else so that these major brands choose you? It really, you know, our thought process was, you know, how do we elevate the humans that are in our business and create different levels of subject matter expertise that we can then take what they are great at and what they do all day, every day, package that up. And then we needed to find a channel that we could deploy that in. Uh, so that, you know, for anyone that's running a, a, you know, a small business or looking to create awareness for themselves, there's a lot of different things that you could consider doing, right? And so for us, we needed to think about what is the, what is going to be the package of content and the story, how we're going to package that up. And then where are we going to distribute this? And so when we looked at some of those different areas, we really focused on LinkedIn for us. We knew that was a channel that we had some traction in already. We knew that gave us an ability to really humanize our brand through our, through, the, through our teammates. Um, but we needed then to prioritize it from top down, right? It wasn't something that just sales needed to, sales reps needed to do, or just marketing or just our CEO, you know, everyone had to kind of have a higher purpose of why we're doing this. And so the thing that we, the campaign that we kind of launched internally is, you know, everyone sells as a team sport. And so when we took that thought process and then we applied some of these, you know, tactics, and then we looked at how do we distribute this content, it really started to work. But, you know, I think everyone looks for instant gratification. And it, this is a, a, a play that takes time and it takes a consistency and it takes, you know, getting out of your own way a lot. And so in creating content, so there's a level of frequency of how much our individual are posting, but this is from our account directors who are our client facing teams. This is from our project managers. This is from our CEO. This is our CFO, procurement, purchasing, manufacturing. Everyone now has a targeted, what we call as a quarterly rock, which is how many posts that each one of those individuals need. And so those are everyone, our leadership team has a goal. And so putting that as a focus point, again, not traditionally, you'll see it's just sales is focused because that's just a sales channel. And we had to really rethink that from the top down and then look at packaging up that content. And then where do we go distribute it? So focusing on those areas allowed us to get traction. And now we're able to continuously double down. We have some validation now. It's the top channel for driving new opportunities for us. Um, and so that level of validation continues to give you just the right understanding that, oh, let's keep doing this. Let's keep doing this. And so momentum is a big thing in our business. And I think anytime you, you know, other individuals see that, it allows them to, you know, be more purposeful and, and understand why we're doing it. And yeah, you know, there's a few things in there that you touched on that really resonate with me. And one of them is about humanizing the brand and doing that through the teammates. That's one. And then another one is the time and the consistency, because you're right. I think we all want that instant gratification. And, you know, we think, oh, if we post for a week, we're going to have like five clients, but it just doesn't work that way. It takes time. And so I'd love to delve into those bits a little bit more because I think people are probably sick of hearing me say that, Trevor. So it yeah. might be nice. It might be nice to hear it from somebody else for a change. So 
In terms of humanizing the brand through teammates, can you give some examples or tips as to how you did this in a way that was still professional and aligned with your brand's purpose, mission, vision, and values? Yeah. So, you know, when we talk about humanizing, part of it is in our setting, you know, our leaders needed to lead by example. And so part of humanizing a brand for us meant, you know, maybe posting something that wasn't just about the business or the clients that we're serving and really leaning into that personal brand. And so whether that's, you know, one of our, our reps may, you know, post about taking your kid to the baseball game. You know, I love the outdoors. So oftentimes I'll create some content for myself on LinkedIn that's more related to outdoors, unrelated to what we're trying to sell or who we're trying to talk to, just because I think other humans like to see, oh, they're like me, right? They want to have more understanding who they're working with outside of this specific project per se. Uh, and so that was one of the areas that we looked at is just, and then we really would validate that, right? So our leadership team, and we would see other individuals posting that and had this general understanding that that was probably a little bit uncomfortable for them to do. We would really validate their posts and encourage, you know, cross-team collaboration and say, hey, you know, we have a, a group chat on LinkedIn now. And so we can put someone's post in there and send it as a message to the group. And so everyone has a benefit there to go and engage and comment on that post. And so kind of creating that synergy and also, you know, leading and allowing others to see, and then just sharing some of those results had a really positive impact of getting people to say, okay, I can kind of broaden myself here outside of just my role, or this is exactly what I'm trying to do. Uh, and I can tell a story. And so I think the big thing there that we learned through doing was, you know, sharing sharing what works. And then the more that they see it, the more I think the level of comfortability was able to, you know, rise. And so then they started to see that more and more. And so that was the domino effect for us was lead, validate, support. And over time, it started getting some traction. That's, it makes so much sense. And, you know, I think a lot of people are resistant to doing that and to sharing those personal stories. I have to say that was totally me. And probably in 2023, my followers are seeing a lot more of me than ever before because I was afraid to put myself out there and be vulnerable. And, you know, I think it's probably a story I was telling myself because really nobody cares what I post. And then those that do care are potentially ideal clients because the things are relating with them. Do you agree? Totally agree. And, you know, and it's really been, you know, fascinating. I think everyone has that type of, you know, resistance to change and just being vulnerable right there and feeling like, oh, someone does want to hear, you know, something I may have to say. We, we all still deal with that, even though we've been doing this for a while, it still is probably, you know, something that we have to work through on every post. So it's not that just goes away. And one of the things that we focused on at the beginning was, uh, quantity, right? We believe from a content strategy that, you know, the right quantity leads to quality. It's not really flip-flop. You can't just all of a sudden come and start producing content at the personal brand level. That's just phenomenal quality and everyone flocks to it, right? And so, you know, leading into, hey, there's the right quantity, you will get to the quality of the content because we need to establish these behaviors around quantity first. That was like the main thing for us. And you'll see it play out over time. Like our, you know, a lot of our folks are much more comfortable with it. They're now moving into video 
and it was that quantity first of overcoming some of those just you know what we call head trash in our business which is just all of these things that we you know thought up and got in our head on why we don't want to post this but to say that it's totally went away no it still it still you know affects all of us and i think that's where that support mechanism really can come in because there'll be weeks where you kind of are in that headspace which is I don't want to say, that. and then if you're seeing your other teammates do it, I think that has a, a a way of impacting them in a positive way. And so one thing that I'm curious about that relates to this, and this comes up quite a lot for my clients, because a lot of them, and even for me, I have a LinkedIn page with about 6,000 followers or so at the moment. And those 6,000 followers are on my personal brand, whereas my business brand I started when I originally started my business, I was inviting people to follow my company page, but it's just so hard to get traction on the company page. So are in-store design doing something different to help get traction on the company page? Or is everybody creating the content through their personal page and referring it back to the company page? What are you doing there? You know, we really have kind of two strategies. Yes, we have a strategy for our brand page. And kind of the, you know, the overreaching strategy there is we really want that brand page to act as like a news ticker. So we're continuously creating relevant content, but then if our team can then reshare it and redistribute that content, that is where we've seen it has a unique compounding effect of creating brand awareness for IDD's brand page. And we can look at that and look at just our, the amount of new net new followers that we're getting a month on our brand page and definitely attest it is because of the better distribution. So the more people that we have distributing and resharing or repurposing content from the brand page, it has a dramatic impact of just the folks that are following us. So it's kind of making sure that we got the right content in which our, you know, our internal team want to share it, right? And they value sharing that. And so that's why oftentimes we'll look at you know, more of a project base because it's this specific reps project. They're obviously going to want to redistribute that piece of content. And so we'll kind of look at that both as, hey, what are we doing on the execution and deployment of this piece of content through the brain channel? And then what are we doing through the individual channel to, to support it and to support each other? So that's kind of been our objective, but it's mostly because we look at our brand page as a news ticker, less as really thinking that we're going to grow a brand page because LinkedIn as a platform is just very difficult to grow up because humans want to connect with humans, right? They don't want to connect with another brand. And that's why we've really leveraged our humans to, to create awareness for the brand. Amazing. That makes total sense. And that's kind of it more or less along the lines of what I recommend that clients do as well. So one of the other things that we talked about was that consistency. And it's amazing that each of you are supporting one another and that you have that team goal or reward to be able to, you know, at the end of the year, say you've posted X number of times, but what else do you do? Like, in terms of consistency. And I mean, I know what I say to my clients when they're like, Deirdre, I'm going to have things to say, or I'm saying the same thing all the time. And, or Deirdre, I'm just too busy this week. I don't have time to post. You know, what do you do that helps maintain that consistency? You know, we really just, again, back to kind of an earlier point is we prioritize it across the organization. So one of the ways that, you know, we operate our business is through, you know, I think some of your clients and folks that may be listening to this would be familiar with is called the entrepreneurial operating system. So it's a, it's an EOS methodology 
And what this built off is a couple of different components, but one of them is what they call rocks, which is kind of your annual, and then they reverse engineer out down to your, you know, your quarterly rock and your objective. And you typically only have three or four of those as an organization. And then those all get subset, you know, rolled down to the department level as well as the individual level. So when we think about just content, at the very top level, at the company level, it's one of our annual objectives to distribute content on LinkedIn. So by prioritizing that across every single person in our organization and making it that important, so important that's the top focus of our in our business in terms of an annual objection, objective, uh, that set the stage, right? So that immediately said, hey, we're going this way as a key objective that we have in 2023. And then that just sets the planning. So the more that, and it's the old cliche, the more that you focus on, the more that, you know, we've all kind of heard that if you focus on it, you'll inevitably get better at it. And that was kind of our objective there to sort of that stage. Then from there, the posting goal at our mid-level managers, they all have a quarterly target. So then they now individually see how they fit into this, you know, larger initiative at the individual level. And so it's a quantifiable number. So they have a number that's very maintained, you know, achievable, and they can get to of just their post. And all of that really helped on the focus and consistency because from top down across every one of our, you know, our plans, you can see that this was a main focus for us. So that was a big to-do for us there. The other thing that we needed to do is highlight, right? Share successes, share stories. So we have quarterly all hands meetings where we look at taking those individuals and we highlight them both in that all hands meeting as well as in our newsletter. Uh, and so we now are creating a visual, you know, identity to, hey, LinkedIn is a focal point. Here's some of your teammates that are doing it. And then we continuously give them, you know, different, you know, lessons or strategies and different training courses on just what we're learning, but also what we may be, you know, consuming from others that are doing an effective job. And all of that focus ultimately had a direct impact into the our consistency. So I'd say that was our main thing is how do we set this up in an organization where everyone, our CEO to the, you know, the, you know, anyone in our company knows LinkedIn is a big piece. And then it's just like running an external marketing campaign, except for it was internal, right? Internally, we have signage across all of our restrooms in our business that focuses on LinkedIn as well. There's just different, you know, where we can update that signage. We rolled out a program that's called Refer and Earn. So if other people that are in a non-sales position refer a contact to us that wants to have a discussion with us and it comes through LinkedIn, we've incentivized that. So they make they can earn more money through that being non-sales roles. And so now there's a little incentive there. And then we've just really focused on magnifying the overall goal. And that's had a dramatic impact in making sure that we're, what we're doing, you know, we're doing this every day, we're doing this every week, we're doing this every month, every quarter, et cetera. Yeah, I love that. I think Tony Robbins has a saying, and I know I'm going to butcher it, but I'm going to try. I think it's like where focus goes, energy flows, something like that. It's something, it's something like that. I meant to, you know, articulate it the way that you did or Tony <laughs> Robbins did, but I definitely butchered it a little bit. No, it's totally Tony Robbins, but I hear you. I hear what you're saying. And yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. And, you know, and I suppose in that same vein or token, some of the things that, that I encourage clients to do as well, particularly like a lot of the business owners I work with, they have small teams or, you know, they might have teams of one 
anything up to one or 50, but they don't always have a marketing team or chief marketing officer. And so typically what I'll say to them is focus your energy on one platform, because if you focus on one platform, as you say, it's so much easier to be consistent, to show up and create that quantity that results, you know, becomes quality, as you pointed out. And I think that's part of the point that builds the brand awareness. And then when you start to build that brand awareness, people start to feel like you're a credible brand as opposed to dabbling everywhere, but not really showing up anywhere. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think what I'd love to know, Trevor, is I called out some major big brand names that are well known here in Ireland and like 70% of my audience is Irish, right? I've got about 20% in the US and then a split between Canada and the UK. But what I'm really curious to know is those big brand names, how did you get them? And did they come through LinkedIn? Tell me the story behind those. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of what we're always trying to accomplish within our, you know, our client facing teammates is what we call pattern interrupt. So we know whenever we're trying to you know, attract you know, clients that you know, fit and meet our ideal client profile, there's a lot of other organizations and a lot of other work individuals that are trying to do the same thing, which is essentially get to a place where you can kind of do this needs analysis and understand if you could be a fit for a future state, right? Because a lot of our clients are most of the time, 95% plus, they're not in a buying phase. So, so much of our approach is about positioning, making sure that they are aware of us so that when they do come into this buying phase, we're top of mind. So when we think about that as that's kind of the main objective there, we just, we look at it and we looked at the channels again, LinkedIn, and then we're very clear on who our ideal client profile is, the way in which we help those companies solve challenges. And we really continuously, you know, kind of nail who we are in our uniques, right? And so having a very targeted message and then overlaying the, hey, we got a pattern interrupt, meaning like, hey, you can try email, right, from a cold conversation, but that's a pretty noisy channel because everyone has marketing automation tools now and everyone's, you know, spamming the heck out of email. So not that email's not an effective piece of it, but we needed to layer in some other channels as well and be think about being unique. And so whether that's little unique campaigns that we will look at running. One of the things that we did to attract a key a client was we went and purchased a couple, two sets of youth shoes. This is pretty unique. Within that, we sent that we are, the campaign was to send them down and we identified a local charity that we would donate them to if they would give us our foot in the door, which was the shoe if they would give us a meeting. So that was an out of the box type of patterning or up where they received these boxes. We created a shoe box, but it was custom branded to IDD. And when they opened it, it had a little, you know, our objective and kind of a call to action, which is, hey, we would like to meet. If you're willing to give us a meeting, we would take these shoes and donate them to an already identified local charity who was willing to accept these. Oh, and so oh my that God, was just, so and, and yeah, that was just one of the things when we needed to continuously look at pattern interrupt, and that was a way that we do it. So we're still doing outreach. We still have to, we just have to figure out how can we do it uniquely? How can we do it slightly different um, than a lot of our other folks uh, or other competitors that are out there doing it? So that was just a tactical example of what we did. We did get the meeting. 
we did get it. We went in there. And so then we, it accomplished what we needed to. Now we're really positioning and then we're in a nurturing, a nurturing phase now within that account, but it has definitely drove some opportunities for us. And so that was one that was fairly relevant that I could definitely, you know, give you some context on what did we actually do uh, to what we call get our foot in the door. So that was one, but the big thing there is pattern interrupt. So video now, right? Like our team, because they're become more comfortable because they're in settings like this, they can now do video and whether it's video and uploading it to through LinkedIn to a direct contact, or whether that's just utilizing video outreach, because look, that's a way of differentiating. And so one of the ways that we look at where there, where's the new way to differentiate was thinking about how do we like to be sold to? What are some of the unique things that stand out? What can we do slightly different or where's their white space versus where is it really noisy? And I'll tell you right now it's within, you know, sending physical pieces. So whether that's as simple as back to the Whipple calls goal of thank you cars, why? Because nobody gets that anymore. Um, so it's often looking at going down a, a path that's less traveled and really trying to pattern interrupt just so we can get to a, a conversation. At that point, we'll determine if it makes sense for us to continue to have dialogue with them. But in the beginning stages, it's mostly a, how can we get their attention through a unique way. Oh my gosh, there is so much value in what you've just said there. And I'll come back to that bulky mail in a moment because bulky mail, you're so right. You've, you're on the money there. But I want to summarize what you've done here and, and correct me if I'm wrong, please. So pattern interrupt. So it's figuring out how to be totally different and stand out and whether it's stopping scrolling or making people open that email or open that physical mail, it's pattern interrupt. Then really being clear on your target audience, your avatar, persona, ideal client, whatever you want to call them, then really clear on your audience. Then it's sharing and highlighting your unique selling point and brand benefits and the things that make you different. Having a targeted message, really clear targeted message with a great call to action to get your foot in the door, right? Absolutely. You know that. Yeah, cool. Okay. And oh, I love that you touched on how do we like to be sold to? So many people don't think about that and they just sell. Overselling is totally repelling. That's what I say because it is. It's so off-putting. Nobody likes to be sold to, right? Yep. No, absolutely. And so we actually ask our the folks that routinely get hit up on our team that are, you know, potentially could be a buyer for whatever the service is. We asked them to send things that stand out to them. So if, if someone did something that unique, we really just try to bring that in and learn from it, whether it was a good email because the subject line was great, whether it was a good LinkedIn DM, whether somebody got a package that was really cool and unique or whatever it is. So we definitely try to create, hey, we don't always know exactly what the next thing's going to be. And sometimes we'll learn through what how our teammates are being prospected and be like, oh, that, that's pretty unique. That's pretty cool. Let's test that out. You know, what's really standing out to me, Trevor, from everything you've been talking about here today is how involved everybody in the company is with standing out and everybody being part of the marketing team. Yes, that's our, that was part of our macro. How do we differentiate, you know, in-store design display? Um, and I think, you know, we, it took a few years for it to really, you know, get some traction internally, but it really came through that internal campaign, which is sales as a team sport. 
And look, people like making more money than what they're making, even if they're not in a commission or sales you know, role, right? And so that they can still have a positive impact and they can still earn money here, even if they're in a, in a production role that is not client-facing or that's their, not their primary responsibility. So everyone likes a little incentive. There's a bunch of different, you know, tactics that we have, you know, tried along the way. Some of them, you know, work better than others, but I will say it, it takes literally years to really get this where it's more of a snowball effect. Now it's not anything that's going to happen in the first 12 months, unless you're, you know, maybe a company of one or two people, then you got a chance, but we have around 30 employees here. And so, you know, every one of, not every one of them are on, you know, less the channel we've been focused on today's discussion on LinkedIn. But they all know that you know sales is a team sport. Yeah, amazing. And one of the other things, and I said I'm going to come back to this, is the bulky mail, right? You're so right. And I can just imagine their faces when they got like shoe boxes. Which did were the shoes in the boxes? Yes. <laughs> amazing. How did you get the shoes back and deliver them to the charity? We, it was a physical meeting. So it was actually, we went to the meeting and that's what drove it is we have a rep because some of our reps are in certain territories here in, in the United States, meaning that they have a region that they're kind of focused on of developing relationships. So we basically just set it up on the date in which she would be back in that area. And then just kind of leverage that day in that CTA as a means of coming in, doing a, an overview, kind of a, that discovery. And then we would pick up the shoes at that point. And then we followed through, right? So we went all the way through to donating them and then capturing a photo of the individual that took them over to donate them to the charity that's here in Kansas City. And we captured a photo of it and included that photo back as the kind of a follow-up. So we really tried to create that full end-to-end -end experience even there. Not just like, hey, let's get our foot in the door. And then what are they going to do? Reuse these shoes? No, you know, we really you know, finished all the way through with our commitment, which is something that's definitely near and dear to us, which is giving back to the community. And so it was a win-win for all of us, but it gave them more of a reason than to, hey, can we have a meeting with you because we think we can work with you, right? They get that every day. I know. And like, if you think about this, if you're a small business owner and there's a big brand that you would love to work with and you're thinking, oh my God, how can I create a pattern interrupt here that these other major brands who are not maybe direct competitions because you, you don't see yourself in the same lane as them. Take this example that Trevor has just shared and think about what could you do because the cost of those shoes, what you're talking 200 quid max, maybe? I mean, like really, yeah. 200 and the value and return on investment you get from both a CSR, a corporate social responsibility perspective, where you are doing something really nice and charitable, plus the impact and feeling and emotions you're evoking from this new company that you're about to work with. like, And that's what it comes down to because yes, business is logic and it's money and it's hard cash. But people are creatures of emotion. They're not just creatures of logic. And this is, I think, what you touched on earlier as well, because it comes back to humanizing your brand, Trevor. Absolutely. You know, we're a small team. We don't have huge marketing budgets. We're lean. And so we had to get creative, right? And so that's definitely what led this. You know, maybe my strategy would have been a bit different if I had, you know, a lot of additional resources that were available to me to use and deploy. But we needed to really look at where are we placing our bets 
And we do that through the lens of a create demand. And then the program for us was dead. Now we run other programs and we execute other programs like SEO and making sure that we're doing certain things there to focus on those create demand programs as well. But organizationally, the number one focus was LinkedIn. And yeah, it's definitely been positive for us. Fantastic. Trevor, okay, so before we wrap up, I would love to know, you know, for my audience and based on your fantastic and extensive experience when it comes to brands and, you know, that whole experience of standing out, displays, shopping, strategic chaos, as we've touched on, what other types of nuggets can you share that would be really beneficial to the audience? You know, I think... Obviously, I've kind of touched on just the pattern interrupt and the humanizing piece. I think you've got to really understand where you're going to place these bets because there are so many different options. And so the way that we separated how we're going to, you know, where we're going to place our bets at and where are the programs that we're going to try. And, you know, we needed to think about what is the exit criteria. So if we're going to go in and start LinkedIn, we developed what we call kind of an extra criteria that has five phases. So the first phase, we're in experiment stage. In order to get out of experiment stage, something needs to happen before we can get out to experiment stage into traction stage. So phase two is traction stage. Phase three is repeatability. And then stage four is operationalized and scale. And then phase five is we're done because that program is now sustainable and working to drive real results that impact revenue. So when we looked at that, we needed to understand how do we go from, otherwise we're going to be trying everything every 10 days, we're going to be looking at something else that appears to be a silver bullet. And so we really focused on five programs. We understand exactly what stage we're in those programs. And then we understand the exit criteria to get out of those programs. So that then guides our investment strategy. So we see one of our programs, as I've alluded to all day today, is LinkedIn. Well, we're now in its traction. And the way it got to traction was through actually impacting revenue, right? And so there was a subset of criteria that we developed in the experiment stage that would show us when do we graduate out of this into the traction. And so we hit those milestones. We're now in traction. And now our budget should follow that as well in terms of how are we investing, whether it's, you know, actual, you know, resources, time and money, how are we investing on that program? And that's one way that allowed us to look at across the landscape of all the different things we could do. We prioritize. Now we understand what stage we're in within that program. And we understand the extra criteria to get out. Now we understand how to scale it. And I think that was critical for us. You know, our CEO understands that enough about marketing, but really needed a framework that allowed him to understand you're asking us to, Trevor, you're asking me to invest more in LinkedIn. Why? Right. And some of these are leading indicators, right? Meaning that they don't always impact revenue immediately. And so I needed them to invest earlier on just like an investment, right? Over time, but we needed, he needed to understand, well, what is the framework to know that when we're in experiment stage to start, what do we got to do to get out of that? And then what's the next stage? And so that gave him some visibility and to understand why we're doing it, how we invest in it, why we're focusing on it. And we did have to tie it to actual revenue results. So when I now I can tell you that, hey, look, our top per- performing program for net new business is LinkedIn. And that's one of the ways that we did it was really focusing on that and then having a clear set set of criteria on how do you scale within the program. 
And, you know, I think that would be a useful tip on, you know, because you can look at TikTok, blogs. I mean, there's so many different things to do. Not all of them work or might not work for you. And so what are you going to do to judge those programs so you can know where you're placing your bets and why? Oh my gosh, I am such a fan of a framework. And so let me just recap what you said there. So experiment, get some traction, know when you have your traction. So have, be clear on what the priorities are and understand what they are. Make them measurable is kind of what I'm engaging because you were talking about it impacting revenue. So I think traction there is number of clients or amount of money you're making, right? Agreed? Absolutely. You know, for us, you know, the way that we're able to capture this, because a lot of your clients, I'm sure, are using some type of CRM system that probably gives them some marketing, you know, insight onto how is this lead coming to us? And, you know, we call that here software attribution, which is we leverage HubSpot. So HubSpot will say this lead came from Google, right? That's the software is going to attribute it as where the source of the lead came from. The challenge with that is it's pretty inconsistent and it's not very accurate. So the other thing that we had to do is implement a self-reported attribution and where that is at is on our website. So it's on our website, the form, just like everyone has the contact us form of some sort, typically. What we did is we put in there, how did you hear about us as a text field? Um, so it is not a drop down in which you may put Google, Facebook, or whatever the and they would you know select because that can create some subjectiveness if that's a word of what their selection. They may just select the first one that appears, right? So we wanted them to type in exactly how they heard about us, and so that also helps you know validate that this is working because now we look at the software attribution where it's coming from, and then the self-reported attribution. And from an accuracy standpoint, is night and day. The self-reported is night and day, and will say, "Oh, we heard about this from LinkedIn, or we heard about from you know." Sometimes there's Google search because that's how they did hear about us, and that continuously you know guides us a lot as well. So I definitely wanted to include that as a benefit or something that we did. That is so easy to do as well, right? And so easy to include, and probably not something that people think to do. And I know. I even had a conversation today, a sales conversation, and I wrote down, I need to ask, how did this client hear about me? And you know what? I don't think I ever actually asked them, but they did kind of mention in conversation, it was through somebody who works with me already. So it was a referral kind of thing. It was word of mouth. But yeah, interesting. And so to go back to the framework, so experiment, traction, then repeatability. So it has to be something that, can be repeated so that you can get that consistency and then operationalize and scale it. And then you know it's done when it's just sustainable, right? Yes. I love that. I love this, Trevor. This is so practical. And because it's a framework, it's like really easy to implement. Thank you so much for sharing that. I did say, Trevor, I'm not going to keep you on too long, but if you start to share gold, I'm going to keep you on longer. So folks, that's why we're still chatting here. And I know that you are going to find this to be incredibly useful as well. So Trevor, before I wrap up, tell me what's happening for you, what's happening for ID, what's coming up next, and where can people find you? Yeah. So, you know, what's happening in store design display is we're growing. So we're definitely growing with who we're looking to have conversations with, the products that we're currently working on. 
you know, everything that we do is to, you know, elevate the overall shopper experience. And so whether that's, you know, growing in the, what do those solutions look like, whether it's brand activations or in-cap displays and signage, you know, we're seeing a lot of growth in all of those different areas in terms of the solutions that we provide, mostly because there's something that is changing rapidly. And so it's the way that shoppers shop or the way that they identify brands that they may want to shop in the future. And I think the buzzword in our world is the Omni effect, which is making sure that you're creating and telling stories digital and physical, because you don't necessarily know where they're going to convert at as a shopper. And you want to create enough synergy across all of those channels that they just convert is the main focus. So that's been really a laser focus for us is how we're you know continuing to solve challenges for our clients and they continue to evolve and change. And that's growing up, driving a lot of the growth here. So I would encourage anyone to, to check us out at InStoreDesignDisplay.com. That's where you can kind of see some examples of our work, the different projects that we've done. If you are interested in having a discussion, you can certainly reach out to me. My LinkedIn, I'm sure that you'll include that in the show notes, but you can definitely find me on LinkedIn, Trevor Lewis, and then certainly send me a DM if there's anything that you think I could be able to help you with. Whether it's, hey, you know, from the, some of the topics that we discussed today, or if you have a project in mind, definitely let me know. I'd be happy to have a conversation. Fantastic. I definitely will share all of those details in the show notes. And Trevor, do you guys, do you come to Europe and Ireland? Do you travel? Yeah, we definitely do travel and we definitely work on projects that, you know, will eventually end up not in the United States. So we do more and more and we obviously source from international, we have international fabricators and suppliers that work with us as well. So I think we'll definitely be in a couple of years, there's a large event and our market is called Euroshop. I believe it's every three years is when Euroshop takes place. It just took place this year, but I suspect we may be coming over on that next time, if not sooner before, but we definitely travel. Fantastic. Trevor, thank you so, so much for being such an amazing guest on the show. It's been such a pleasure having you join us. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm glad to join and I really enjoyed our conversation. Oh my God, I'm totally buzzing after that episode. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Master Your Business podcast, where we explored the power of LinkedIn with our fantastic expert, Trevor Lewis. And as I said at the start, this strategy that Trevor employed, this will apply across any social media platform and not just LinkedIn. Even though today we did talk about LinkedIn, the exact same strategies will apply wherever you are showing up online. So I really hope you've gained valuable insights into pattern interrupts, brand humanization, and growing your business even on a tight budget. Remember, you can find all the key takeaways and actionable tips in our show notes, as well as all of Trevor's contact information. So don't worry about trying to scramble to jot everything down. You're covered. We've got you covered. To help you even more on your journey to success, I wanted to call out some of the points that Trevor made about being clear on your ideal client and your differentiating your brand with your USP and also focusing in on your targeted message. There are some earlier episodes that will absolutely help you with that. So in relation to your ideal client, be sure to check out episode number eight with Simone Wilson, where we talked about the ins and outs of customer insights. Then for differentiating your brand, tune into episode nine, where I delved into how to differentiate your business and create a competitive advantage 
and to create a humanized and targeted message, you're definitely going to want to check out and listen into episode 29, where I explored the seven wonders of StoryBrand. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Master Your Business podcast to stay up to date with the latest episodes and join our growing community of business masters. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate or review it wherever you're listening. I'm Deirdre Martin, your host, and I'll see you next time as we continue to support you on your path to business success. Until then, keep mastering your dream business and making an impact with your brand. Bye for now.